It's weak and time in Normandy, in Normandy. It's weak and time. Oh, da 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 dee 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 da 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 da. Oh my God Almighty! It's weekend time, and they're going out. I'll tell you right now. I'll I'll, I'll guarantee you, Joe. Right now. I mean, you know, weekend is beginning. It's going to be one of those gigantic debauch. There is nothing that excites a resident of a major uh, megapolis more than a gigantic long weekend coming up. Do you agree with that? It's almost sexual. With many of them, it is more than sexual. They begin to feel that, you know, their guts churning. And they can hardly wait to get out there in that long line of iron, which is parked bumper to bumper, hour after hour, heading towards God knows where. I'm, that's, that's your problem. I'm not interested in your problem. I am not. Stop. Don't, don't come and, uh, and pluck at me here. But I'll tell you this. Uh, we, are, we are approaching this weekend, this great Fourth of July weekend, which is, you know, kind of the whole middle of the week, the whole thing is going to... In fact, some people started the Fourth of July weekend around the middle of June. I have known of a couple of guys. Now, that's uh, beside the point, uh, but that's, that's what's happening in, uh, you know, our world, that the weekends are getting longer, the holidays are getting longer... The work days, uh, you know, it's, 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 eventually, I suspect our country will be one vast playpen where people do nothing but uh, ski, run around, water ski. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with that? I'm not arguing. I'm just saying. But eventually, of course, it causes a little problems when it comes bill paying time. But we're not going to worry about that. No, no. No, no. Nobody's going to worry about that problem. Of course, that's beginning to come down to a roost, too, isn't it, friend? The dollar is going to have about as much value as a Bolivian Kopensky, uh, roughly about the time of World War I. <laughs> you know what the Bolivian Kopensky went for? Twelve and a half million to the dime. So, uh, you know, uh, you, you can go out and you'll be able to paper your house with dollar bills. Uh, this has happened in other societies before. But we're not even going to bring that up. Uh, you know. I, I remember one time when, when I was a kid, you know, I, I was looking at a, at a, we had a, we had a, a a class in civics. Do you ever take civics when you were a kid? Do you ever you remember that civics? Well, we had a class in civics, see. And uh, Mr. Harris taught this class in civics. I was in the uh, uh, sophomore in high school, and um, every day he was a very serious-looking man. He uh, he looked like uh, had he uh, you know decided to do it, he could easily have become a member of the committee to reelect the president. He had that serious look, you know that vaguely dumb serious look but nevertheless he uh he was a very serious man and so one day we had a film a film uh, excuse me is the way they pronounce it out in that area we had a film on a thing called uh, the monetary systems of the world and that really got me because my monetary system was very shaky at that time being a sophomore in high school i was scratching not that it has not stopped, but uh, I was scratching, really scratching. You know, I had a few little things going, like I worked out at the bowling alley or the weekends. You know, that that uh, didn't pay much, but it was exciting. You got a chance to bowl before <laughs> before the people. You know, at the, I worked at the bowling alley like uh, uh, for a good long time. You know, I found out a lot about people when I worked in the. I don't think I've ever told the stories about working in the bowling alley. Well, I had a weekend job, see. And at one brief period, and my job was the, I was the guy behind the counter when people came in and rented shoes. 
you've ever bowled and you've rented shoes, right? Well, I discovered a very interesting thing about the human animal then. I was, you know, as a kid, I was pretty dumb. Uh, my entire life consisted of uh, swigging down Coke, uh, you know, drinking Cokes, uh, eating hamburgers, uh, walking around fist fighting, uh, playing second base, you know, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. Great stuff, see. However, I did learn something that summer, that bowling alley summer. I'll never forget it. I learned that the human creature has a vanity that does not stop. And it even affects the bowling lanes. In fact, more than any probably place uh, within our... Because what would happen, a guy would walk up to the, to the, uh, to the counter, see. And, you know, he's got his chick with him, you know, they're wearing his... Uh, he walks up and he says, uh, he says hey, kid, uh, how about a couple of pair of shoes? Well, I'd see this guy. I'd look at him. You know, he weighs 270 pounds. He's six foot four. Automatically, you'd reach back for the size 14 triple E, wouldn't you? You know, guy had shoes about the size of the bowling balls, you know. And uh, he, I'd say, uh, what size? And he'd say, oh, uh, give me an eight and a half uh, C. Eight and a half C? And, uh, you know, I knew damn well this guy couldn't get an eight-and-a-half C on if he was squeezed into it like a toothpaste tube, you know. So I'd say, well, eight-and-a-half C, and say, yeah. And I, I'd reach behind, I'd give him a pair of eight-and-a-half Cs, he'd look at him. And uh, his girl, of course, was even worse. Uh, usually he's with a large girl, you know, a very large girl, who was maybe uh, five feet three, 220, something like that, you know. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and she, she, uh, invariably she'd say, well, I don't imagine you, I, uh, don't imagine you have the triple A, uh, threes, do you? That's a very, I'd say, yes, we do, as a matter of fact. And I'd reach down, I'd give her a triple A. What we had was a rack at the bottom of our children's shoes, you know. And I'd reach down, I'd give her the triple A C's, you know, the, the size three, and I'd throw it out at her. I know what's going to happen, say. I would turn my back, and I'd start to do my little things like rearranging the chalk. I handed out chalk, you know, and that kind of jazz, see, and uh, talcum powder, little things like that. And I'd start rearranging my little wares there, see, and, uh, like, almost instantly, the guy's back. He says, hey, what's the matter with these shoes? They're marked wrong. What is it, eight and a half? That's no eight and a half, see? I, I, and then, you see, you don't want to offend the customer, at which point I would say, oh, oh, yes, of course, we got the, these are marked wrong. I'd reach behind, I'd get the 14 quadruple Ds, you know, and I'd reach that great big shoe, you know, you could, you could pack it up like a valise, you know, it's about the size of a weekend bag, you know. I'd reach in, I'd take this great big valise out, and I'd say, here, this is really an eight and a half, you know, they all came in marked wrong, it's an eight and a half. It's, I thought that was wrong. They'd take this thing, and of course, she would say, well, this shoe is marked very wrong, too, I, I, I just don't know what's wrong. I'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I'd give her a size, uh, ten. A size 10, a triple E, you know, a great big fat shoe. He said, here's the three, and this is the quadruple A. And she'd take it away, and they were happy. Well, I realized that, that, that we were wasting a lot of time, you know, in our, in our bowling alley operation by handing out the shoes the size they asked for. And, of course, they all came back. So one day I said to George the Greek, who, who ran the bowling alley, is George the Greek, George Necropolis, George Necropolis, spelled N-E-C. And old George Necropolis came in, and uh, he'd come in, he'd say, he, uh, you know, he'd come in, he'd say, how's it going? You know, he'd always say, how's it going? Whoop-a! You know, he always like that. He was a great, great guy, George, you know. 
George comes, hoopa, how's it going? I said, George, I said, George, I have an idea here. And George said, what's the idea? And I said, well, George, why don't we take all the shoes out and mark them three sizes bigger than they are or, th- or smaller than they are? Well, either way. And he says, oh, what do you mean? What's the what? I said, George, I'm handing out these shoes, and five, you know, five minutes later, everybody comes back with them. Why don't we take all the size seven shoes and, uh, and, and mark them, say, four? And all the size 15 shoes, we'll mark nine and a half D, right? And we're in business. And uh, George said, oh, that's a good idea. And so we spent one weekend remarking the shoes, and... Uh, it was fantastic how it cleared up our operation, Joe. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, any guy who works over here at Barney's will tell you the same thing. You know that, don't you? Don't you know that a size 42 coat today is roughly what a size 58 was only about uh, eight or nine years ago? You know, the man's ego is so great now, he's never going to accept the fact that he's become a size 56 extra bulgy. See, so... <laughs> So now they've they shrunk all the sizes. Did you know that? Oh yeah. So a forty—that's true. So now you get a, a medium shirt. Why well, listen? A medium shirt, uh, like ten years ago, would have fitted uh, roughly Roosevelt Greer. Uh, <laughs> and, and so today, you know, you get a medium shirt, and so you get this—you know—and it's good for the ego. You know, a guy, a guy tries on this medium sport coat, say, who's been ashamed to come in and buy clothes for a long time, right? He goes in, he tries on a medium sport coat because all the rest of his clothes are falling off and, you know, the barnacles are growing on it, you know, and the, the little threads are trailing in the dirt behind him. So finally, somebody says, you got to get a new coat, Aki. you got to. And so I says, well, you know, you know me, I don't care about clothes. Get in there, buy a new coat, Aki, or we'll fire you. We can't stand you sitting around here looking like you're wearing bed springs. Now you go on in and get a new coat. And, uh... Aki has to go down. Well, Aki walks in, and he says, and he's very embarrassed, at which point the, the clerk comes up and says, well, you're a perfect, uh, oh, yes, yeah, so you're a, a medium regular, of course. And he reaches in, gets this coat, which, of course, is gigantic. It's the size of a tent. You know, you can just put a couple of poles in the armholes, and you can sleep ten people, you know. So he, he puts the, he's well, yes, yeah, well, that's fine. Uh, it's fine. Bam, he sold five of them. Just like Aki says, I ain't going to stop here with one. I'll buy five. You know, <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's give a salute to uh, to man's uh, chicanery here. It's a self-delusion. Let's go. Bring it up big. Oh, yes. Who was it who once said, Vanity is all. Vanity is a whole damn ball of wax. Here we go. Sing it out, Jack. Playing the good Joe. Bang it up. Hoopa! Hoopa! <laughs> Woo! Yes! Let's hear it! Sing it! Hold it! Hold it! Hold it! Hold it! Hold it. Stop it right there. Stop it. Stop it. Don't let it run through. Stop it. We're going to start right there. Yes, indeed. We would like to salute uh, human vanity wherever it lies. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to tell you about that film, wasn't I? Yes, how I learned about life that, uh, that summer. Well, uh, Mr. Harris, uh, our civics teacher... I learned a little thing here and there, you know, about the bowling alley. And I used to, I used to have a, 
I used to have long periods of contemplation. I wonder how many of you have uh, gone through the uh, period of, uh, of uh, introspective contemplation where you're contemplating the great mysteries. Uh, for about the first half of your life, if you're a male, you contemplate the great mystery of the female. You will buy that? <laughs> yes, you will upon thinking about that, yes. <laughs> they seem to be of another species. Uh, in fact, uh, yes, uh, men's immense. You said that's a, there's a possibility, right? Uh, this is WOR New York, speaking of uh, nocturnal other species, friends. And before we go any further, I think we have a couple of little beauties to lay on you. You get, that, get out the commercials there. And while you're setting it up there, I'd like to uh, say uh, a little question here. Have you figured out how to stay cool this summer? Well, why don't you try it the French way? You know, sit there and swill wine until you don't feel whether you're hot or cold. You're just drinking with a chill bottle of red Beaujolais wine. Oh, you'll really be living. Of course, just any Beaujolais will not quite make it. You must have a genuine Beaujolais. Alexis Lachine, the beautiful Beaujolais imported from France in those gracious, curvaceous bottles. Remember the name, Alexis Lachine, the elegant name. I say it again, Alexis Lachine, sing it, please. Ah, la chanteuse. Yes, merci beaucoup, s'il vous plaît. And all those other good things. Ah, yes. I thank you. You come and sit upon my knee and we shall talk about l'amour. Oh, excuse me. Gee, that was obscene, wasn't it? Which uh, reminds me, can you hit that button again, please? Please, quick, quick, come on, come on, come on. Let's go, Joe. Chocolate <laughs> nuts is that heavenly coffee. Heavenly coffee, heavenly coffee. Why is chocolate nuts known as the heavenly coffee? coffee. Please try it and enjoy heavenly flavored caffeinated coffee. Ninety-eight percent caffeine free. Your grocer has it, so ask for chocolate nuts, ninety-eight percent caffeine. Caffeine-free coffee and have heavenly dreams. Oh, I thank you, No buddy. matter how late you drink it. Oh, you are such a sweet little thing. Come sit upon my knee. And stop talking about coffee, my dear. Let's talk about something really good, huh? Shock full of nuts is that heavenly coffee. Heavenly coffee. Hey, the Port Authority expects roads leading to Kennedy, LaGuardia, and Newark International Airports to be congested during the holiday period. Well, I might add that the Port Authority is not the only one that expects that. But uh, they're coming on strong here. It says, airport parking lots may be overcrowded, too. If at all possible, please leave your car at home. Avoid traffic congestion. In fact, lock yourself in a john. Consult your travel agent, airline, or the yellow pages for public transportation services available to you. The Port Authority wishes you a most pleasant holiday after this nice little message. Tell him it's going to be a rotten weekend. <laughs> Chock full of nuts is that? Have you ever? Has it ever occurred to you the world is chock full of nuts? Chock full of nuts is that heavenly coffee, heavenly coffee. And now let's finish up here with a little zinger from Shootown. Ladies, would you like to get a juice pitcher? Wait a minute. That's a misprint here. It says a juiced pitcher. What is this? None of them ball players drink. You know that. 
Uh, ladies, would you like to get a juiced pitcher or an iced tea glass or some other valuable gift absolutely free? Well, you can now during Shoetown's big summer splash sale. <laughs> Shoetown's drastic reductions on every Shoetown department, plus with a purchase of sales merchandise totaling $3.99 and up, you can choose from a great selection of valuable free gifts. Just listen to Shoetown's incredible summer sale reductions. For you ladies, thousands of pairs of sale shoes. You know those kind with the little ropes that go down there and you can sail around on them. Values from... Oh, that's terrible. Can you see a lady doing a tack in her, sa- in her sale shoes? I, I don't know what's the matter with me. Don't you know what a tack is? You don't, huh? Can you imagine a lady luffing in her sale shoes? <laughs> oh, my God, I'm getting worse and worse. You don't even understand. Ah, yes, that's true, I'm reaching. But it isn't, it's just not me reaching. It's just coming naturally. It just keeps coming. It's terrible. Shock full of nuts. Is that... Anyway, Shoe Town has sale shoes valued up to $35. Now only 5 to $18. Fellas, you can save up to $17 and receive a valuable free gifty. Remember, during Shoe Town summer sale, you'll save a bundle. They keep using the word bundle all the time. You know, bundle. That means up to 12 cents. And for a limited time only, with your purchase of sales merchandise totaling $3.99 and up, you can choose a valuable free gift. Shoe Town. Yes, chock full of nuts is that heavenly coffee. Heavenly coffee. Can't get that out of my mind. Heavenly coffee. Chock full of nuts is that heavenly coffee. Ru tu 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 have you noticed uh, uh, they're coming up with a lot of great new words, these guys? Yeah, you can always tell a true bureaucrat. He comes up with great words like finalize. We uh, finalize the plans. And uh, finalizing is a good word, finalize. Have you, oh, yes, I, I noticed that the guys today no longer talk to each other. Uh, you know, according to the witness. You've watched many of the witnesses? Well, you, the, the, almost, almost invariably, when, say, Dean, Dean is a master of this type of talk. John W. Dean III. You should have known the other two. They were something. Uh, John W. Dean III. Uh, <laughs> By the way, anybody that puts Roman numerals after his name, I would automatically be suspicious of. Uh, that's uh, Shepherd's one rule of thumb. Don't hire anybody that puts Roman numerals after his name. Chock full of nuts. Here's a heavenly coffee. You know what it is, you know. Alex W. Gumpox, the 12th. Look out, there's a guy with pretensions. And a lot of relatives. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> I mean, such great words. Like uh, Dean invariably says, uh, well, uh, yes, uh, I was uh, getting input from uh, Mr. Magruder. Input. It seems to me that, uh, you know, guys either talk or they don't talk. But the new phrase for talking is input. He proceeded to give me uh, an overview of the situation. What the hell is an overview? Does that imply that there's an underview of the situation? Which I suspect we're getting now in the... Uh, oh, yes, indeed. Oh, yes, indeed. Would you please, a little more music. A little more music, Joseph, please. I mean, this is the... Uh, to cool the brain on a uh, midsummer Watergate weekend. Bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, by the way, this was recorded actually during many of the major meetings of the committee to re-elect the president. Uh, these recordings are very rare recordings. I believe we're the only ones to spring them on you outside of the committee hearings themselves, which they were held under closed-door sessions. You didn't hear these. This is the committee's running up and down the halls there. <laughs> Passing memos like Billy B. I'll tell you, telephoning, cackling. By the way, that high-pitched voice, the one with the obligato there, is Gordon Liddy III. Gordon Liddy Jr. III. The American people have a right to know. Yeah. I want them to hear this. This is what was going on all the time. My God, what are we going to do about this? Oh, oh, help! Oh, help! 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 The input is getting too much! What an overview! Oh, fantastic! Yes! Help! Every man for himself! <laughs> I have a feeling now, at this point, we could have done just as well, in fact, quite probably better, had we elected the Vegetarian Party's candidate for president. The, 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 of course, there have been a lot of hanky-panky with the, uh, with the uh, kohlrabi and the rhubarb, I'm sure. Da, da, da. The rhubarb interest would have taken over the White House. The, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's a, you know, it's a, I feel a little heady tonight. No, 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 no. I am not speaking of Miss Lamar. No, sir. I do not do those things. You are speaking to a man of dignity. One does not do those things. Of course, it has often been said that we Frenchmen do these things, like pinching the girl. But no, sir, we do not pinch girls. Oh, we do more than that. <laughs> but uh, that's... Uh, no, 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 no. That does only in Queens. That's, uh, those people are sad. Those people are sad. They do not know how to live like we in Marseille. Uh, however, uh, I would like to... You like my accent? That's a... That's a Indiana French... Which is a is you do not know the prefect in the Yana? It's outside of the Orly precinct. The prefect, excuse me. And, uh, you can see that I had trouble with French in high school, can't you? But I didn't have trouble with a lot of other departments. I must say there were certain things I sailed through just like a ship under full sail, man, under sparkling skies. And I'll tell you, one of them was civics. You thought I wasn't going to get back to that film, did you? <laughs> you guys just don't realize you're dealing with a pro. You don't. My work is highly complex. Uh, it really is. It uh, weaves in and out. Themes weave in and out in a vast basket weave of conflicting emotions and uh, sinuous, subtle narrations. And you've got to know it. I mean, you know, you don't read uh, James Joyce sitting there and working the... Daily News crossword puzzle at the same time. No, sir. Oh, you want to hear about that film? Well, I'll tell you about the film. I'm sitting in the class one time. I learned a lesson. I, I've never forgotten it. Mr. Harris, uh, we used to have these films all the time in school. You know, you remember all those films they'd show you in school? You didn't have films in your school? Oh, well, we had films that were coming on my eyes. That's, that's where I, I wonder how many people have... Uh, developed a lifelong aversion to movies <laughs> from watching films at school. Oh, 
I, uh, I, I can remember some of the incredibly dull films. Like, I remember one, one film which sticks in my mind as being uh, almost, uh, it, was, it was majestic in its dullness. I mean, it was, it was, there was a lady who kept, who kept looking out of the screen, and she kept talking about endlessly the life cycle of the Anopheles mosquito. Now, I don't remember much more than that about it, except that she had the, oh, this kind of voice, and she had a pointer, and she kept pointing to something she called the proboscis. The proboscis. And, uh, of course, at that point, this immediately became a very popular phrase in our biology class, and everybody was having trouble. He would blow his proboscis. You know, I got a stuffed proboscis. You know, I got a tickling proboscis. Boy, what an ugly proboscis you've got. And if you keep saying that word proboscis over and over enough to yourself, it means no sense. I mean, you can say that with almost any word. You can do that. Have you ever t taken a word that you know very well, like, uh, yes, and just say it to yourself uh, over and over? Yes, 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 uh, <clears throat> yes, mm, yes, yes. And to find it means nothing at all. The word just keeps going on. Yes, what, is, what is the hell does that word mean? Yes, until it becomes a foreign language. Now, I would say that the, that the proboscis, uh, it was a fad in our, in our class briefly. Uh, Schwartz would say, I'm going to blow my proboscis. He would take out his bandana handkerchief and go honk. At, uh, <laughs> somebody would then add which is always, you know, kid humor is a special type of humor. Well, it's about time, Schwartz, you, you blew that horn you got out there. I wasn't understanding you for a week, you know. And then Schwartz, honk. And uh, somebody was, well, it's about time, Schwartz, you're using your handkerchief instead of doing it on the floor like that. And, uh, you know, well, that's kid humor. You get used to that. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Kid humor is one step away from Buddy Hackett. But, uh... Maybe one step up or down, it's difficult to say. But uh, I mean, I, I guess people who like that kind of kid humor also like Phyllis Diller, right? You know, they're in the same department there. Yes. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I'm sitting in this class, see, and, uh, and as I said, my economic conditions were somewhat strained uh, all through my sophomore year in the high school. Very strained, as a matter of fact. I had the job down at the bowling alley, which wasn't bringing in much, but it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, you know, once in a while I would uh, personally, uh, yes, once in a while, uh, Joe, I would personally volunteer to attempt to fit the shoes to particularly interesting ladies that would come in and ask for shoes which they would rent. I would say, well, let's uh, try the shoes on. We have many sizes, my dear. And uh, here, you uh, sit here, and I will try the shoes on. I will help you with them. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was an exciting job. Paid maybe 2 $3 a weekend, which I would spend uh, usually because the damn place wasn't air-conditioned. I would usually spend right there on the spot drinking up all the Cokes. And uh, he did not have a system where you sold Cokes. You had to go to the machine and put the thing in, you know. So I did not have the key to the machine. So, uh... I was earning maybe 17, 18 cents an hour when it was all figured out. Actually, if you figured out how many hours I spent, he didn't do it that way. He'd just pay, yeah, I'll give you a couple of bucks. Come on in. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of bucks for Sunday. 
uh, be in about 9 o'clock in the morning. You can leave about 2 in the afternoon, maybe sometimes 5 in the morning, the next morning. So uh, uh, I was earning roughly 12, 13 cents an hour, right? And I was putting in probably 40 cents an hour in the Coke machine. So I was sliding downhill. <laughs> Already, Shepard was learning one of the great economic lessons, deficit spending. You know what deficit spending... You would know about that, Joe, right? Deficit spending means spending a hell of a lot more than you got coming in over a considerable period of time. And so it got to the point where I was actually working to pay for my Coke machine habit. I would go into work every day merely to keep alive my Coke habit. I had a you know, the monkey on the back with a Coke, see... Well, then I, you know, I was really scratching. The rest of the week, you know, I had a few little odd jobs, like uh, once in a while I would fix somebody's radio. You went through that, uh, I'm sure. If you, any guy who's ever been involved in electronics at all, you know, as a kid, I was at a ham station and all that, uh, somebody will call up and say, well, can you fix my radio? Well, uh, that was a source of uh, somewhat shaky income. Because it was spotty, and uh, sometimes I would work like three weeks fixing the darn radio, which was worth a dollar and a half for starters. It ain't easy to charge them twenty dollars for that, you know. <laughs> so, so you know, I was uh, I was scratching along there, you know, and uh, picking a buck up here, putting one down there, doing the best I could until that disastrous afternoon. I'm sitting in Mr. Harris's civics class. And Mr. Harris, uh, he had this dry delivery, a little bit like Dean. If you notice that the, uh, John W. Dean III has got a dry delivery? And uh, no, uh, Senator, uh, to the best of my recollection, I have to say that uh, I am only giving you the facts as I know them at this time, this point in time, Senator. You know how he talks. Well, Mr. Harris talked like that. Civics had been a very dull class. In fact, I remember one time he, on, on the uh, board, he drew, you know, he used to draw diagrams. Uh, city uh, administration, he had things. So it's a city government at the top. He draws uh, city hall. And then in the city hall, he writes mayor. And then he writes councilman. And then he writes alderman in little boxes attached to the city hall. You've seen those things? Then underneath that, it says uh, uh, ward captains. <laughs> and then underneath that, it says uh, electorate. Big box. That's us, see. And now, had he really been honest, he could have uh, he could have put on all kinds of other little boxes extending to City Hall, like a uh, bag man. You know, wouldn't you like to bag man? Then attached to that one, it would say uh, mafia. Uh, over here, it would say... <laughs> well, you know, after all, these are all part of the real... A structure instead of what uh, you learn in civics. So I'm sitting there, I'm sitting in the class that day, and Mr. Harris comes on. He says, "We are today. Uh, we have a film today." Uh, that was uh, when when a film came in. When we'd walk into class, and he had the machine set up with the with the little 16 millimeter projector, you know, little speakers up there in the front. Well, it was one of two things would happen that day. One, either you would have a nice quiet snooze. For 55 minutes. <laughs> or, or, on the other hand, you could have a hellish afternoon because Mr. Harris had a tendency to ask questions about these films uh, after they were shown. 
And usually, since these films were such crashingly, boringly dull films, it was hard to answer questions about them. Have you ever had a situation where you can't even keep your eyes open? You have to, like, prop them open with sticks? Well, we'd sit there and watch these terrible films. Mr. Harris's films were even worse than the films that we had. You know, some of the worst films I've ever seen were in the math classes. You ever had mathematical films? I don't know what kind of school you guys went to, but we had films that illustrated, say, algebraic principles. And they had little X's running around on the screens and Y's. And graphs, yes, I can remember films in color where, where graphs would go, parabolas and stuff. And, uh, and yeah, of course, you guys never. Yeah, I went to an advanced school. I don't know what kind of a school, but I will say this, Joe: if you took your if you took your uh, grade school and your high school by uh, correspondence course, they probably didn't have films. That's it. That's probably it. That's right. So, so that answers the question. But uh, we did have this film in, in, uh, in economics and in civics on that day. Mr. Harris says, we are now going to have a film at this point in time about uh, the world fiscal system. Oh, God, the world fiscal system. Well, I thought it was going to be dull. You know, I figured, you know, they were going to have a thing about the graphs again, a lot of graphs going up and down in charts, you know, with pies all cut up that says tax dollar and all that kind of stuff, you know. Instead, on comes this film that shows a bunch of guys in a bank and they're counting money. Well, now that's pretty exciting. You know, at that point, money, to me, was a very exciting thing to see. And it has not yet ceased. It was very exciting to see guys sitting there and, and there were about ten guys in a row and they were counting money and there were guards standing behind them. And they're counting out $100 bills, see? And they have, uh, they're writing it down, and they're putting little rubber bands on it. And the narrator said, uh, we are now in the Central Exchange Bank of the Federal Reserve System, where the day's receipts and exchanges of cash are being totaled. These guys are counting up like that, and you see other guys working comptometer machines. I thought, oh, my God, look at that dough. I could see Schwartz sitting up. Schwartz, who had not had... Money made out of paper since his ninth birthday when his Uncle Klamath gave him a dollar. And the Schwartz sat up. And we were all watching that money. Tongues hanging out. I don't know whether money causes the same excitement among girls as it causes among males. But it certainly... Yes, I'll tell you, it, it does. It brings the roses to the cheeks. And then the narrator said, A stable financial fiscal system is important to world peace and the world economy, a system of world monies, which is at a stable point. And now, and then this, the camera switches, and it takes you to some place in Switzerland. You see a whole bunch of guys sitting around wearing little Swiss suits. And the narrator said, we are now in the International Monetary Central Bank of the International Bank of Bern, Switzerland, where the world's finances are totaled up and tallied every day. And you had big signs, said dollar. Another sign said yen. Another sign said franc. Another sign said uh, kaprachnik. Another one said ruble. And, the, you know, all these fantastic... We never saw it. The only thing that we would get occasionally in our town, and it would cause a lot of hard feelings at the, uh, at the uh, grocery store, were Canadian dimes. Uh, once, uh, you, you've had that problem, haven't you? Trying to slip a Canadian dime into... Uh, of course, today, you better grab all the Canadian dimes you can get because they're worth a hell of a lot more than our dimes. 
You didn't know that, did you, Joe? Well, you better listen to the chief here. I learned my economic, uh, my economic things well. You didn't know that. Well, you, uh, it's the truth. So, nevertheless, uh, here, here were all these guys, and they had vast piles of money of all types, yen, uh, lira. Uh, they had uh, rubles. They had all these things. And then the narrator's voice said, one of the great dangers of international finance is uncontrolled inflation. When one of the money systems becomes out of control and grows like a vast cancer and expounds on the cells growing, growing. Yes, and then there was a shot that shows cells growing, you know, like terrible evil things. The great danger of inflation lies over the world financial system like the danger of total destruction of the world's peace and the world's stability. Inflation is a terrible evil. I never heard, you know, to me, inflation, I never heard The only thing I ever knew about inflation was once in a while, I, I would wonder what it meant on the side of my basketball. You know, it says, uh, to inflation, to proper, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know. To me, inflation was something you did to uh, rubber ducks. You know, you blew them up. The first time I discovered this, and the voice said, uh, yeah, give me a little echo chamber there, Joe. Hey, Joe, a little echo chamber. Hello, hello, here we go, a little echo chamber. Okay, hello. Oh, that's not, it's not, it's Oh, that's too much. Hello, one, two, three, that's very good. Inflation is the great curse of the international monetary system. I thought, my God, what is inflation? And then they showed us what inflation was. The most dramatic scene, I, I remember it. It's one of the few scenes I remember out of all the high school movies that I saw all through my speckled and checkered educational career. It showed a guy, a man, pushing a wheelbarrow. Got a wheelbarrow, you know. You know, the kind of wheelbarrow that you, you push, uh, you have a pile of sand in or something like that. He's pushing a wheelbarrow. And he's also pulling a wagon. A regular kid's wagon, you know, the kind of says red flyer on it or something. He's pulling a wagon and pushing a wheelbarrow. And the voice said, You, you are, are looking, looking at, at a resident, resident of a country suffering intense and disastrous, disastrous inflation. inflation. This man, this man is, going is going to the grocery store to buy a loaf of bread for his family evening meal. He has a wheelbarrow and a wagon full of currency. He has in his wheelbarrow and in his wagon 7.9.33.76 billion Reichsmarks. The guy's got a wagon load of money. Look at that dough. My God, would I like to live in a country where they push their money around. They have so much money, they put it in wheelbarrows. Well, of course, this is the, uh, that's the kid view of inflation. Somehow it kind of would be groovy to have all that money you know, to push around. Well, I'm afraid I sense coming over the horizon, we will be pushing our money around in wheelbarrows. And like 75 years from now, kids are going to be sitting in schools in other countries, and they're going to have this thing on a screen. 
This roughly translated means, boys and girls, today we will examine the international monetary system which pertains in the world today. See, this is the country that we are now visiting in our imagination, right? And uh, on will come the film. All the kids are half asleep, you know, who the hell wants to look at a film about the international monetary system? I mean, especially when you're 14 years old and you've got other things on your mind, like that chick uh, in the next row called Clara. Well, on comes this film. And, uh, and uh, I can just see the scene. Uh, the, the, the narrator goes, give me a little echo chamber. And there we will be. There will be a picture of your Uncle Fred. There will be a picture of your Uncle Fred in brilliant ectochrome color. 16 millimeters stereo, pushing a wheelbarrow, and behind him, he's got his, uh, he's got his uh, lawnmower, anything he can get that can hold enough of the stuff, and there's $500 billion in these wheelbarrows. And then the voice goes... Translated means he's on his way to McDonald's to buy a hamburger. Bring it up, please. <laughs> now, it's not every day that you get this kind of an economic lesson. Lesson, is it? Uh, not every day, but I think it's been kind of valuable. I don't know, you know. <laughs> so have a good weekend, friends. And uh, when you have your little fender banger, uh, try to keep your temper uh, under control. And uh, since uh, you never know how it's going to turn out, uh, good luck, Ski. Y- do you like my language? Well, you know, you don't know what language that was. I was speaking a real language. Oh, now that's going to cause conjecture. Shark full of nuts is that heavenly coffee. Heavenly coffee. Heavenly coffee. Oh, chock full of nuts and stuff. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. The love piece of all. You come and sit upon my knee. And we will shut the fuck about the love.